What a story. So guys, having a good evening so far? Livy mentioned these books by Phil Moore. We've actually got these ones to give away. Anyone want a free book? Catch. Sorry. They might be a bit damaged when you read them. Anyway, I wanted to uh, introduce you to uh, some friends of mine. In the last couple of years, uh, I've had the opportunity to, to make some new friends, get to know some people from uh, the city of Minneapolis in America. And uh, these guys have become uh, really encouraging to me and to many of my friends, my family, to my church, and we've learned a lot from them. Uh, Pete and Carolyn Haas and their, their family, two of their, their kids are here with them, their daughters, uh, Elijah, who was up here DJing earlier, and True. In fact, if I could just be really annoying and ask you guys, would you mind just standing, just so everyone can just wave and say hi, just to the family that are here. Just could give these guys a massive welcome. They're all here as a family. So sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. Uh, these guys lead an amazing church in Minneapolis called uh, Substance Church, which uh, has reached so many people with the gospel of Jesus and has been a bright light in that city, um, helping people to get to know God. And uh, they, have, they have an amazing story of their own. And I really love this guy that's going to come and speak to you just now. He has uh, a superb story of his own and I believe that what he's going to tell you about what God's done in his life and some of the lessons that he and his family and his church have learned are going to have a huge impact on you. It's a bit like when you, you know when you meet someone and you kind of feel like, I really want this person to meet these people. I want this friend to meet this friend because I know they'll get on well. I know they'll click. You know, if you ever had that, you just think, oh, these two should get together. And when I met Pete and Carolyn, I just thought, I think, I think, I think they'd like New Day. I think New Day would like them. They, they'll, they'll get on well. Uh, so it's been like that, and I'm so pleased that they're here, and I'm so pleased that Peter's going to come and speak to you. Please let's give him a very warm welcome. You guys still alive and awake in the house tonight? Somebody in Norwich. I got, I got off the plane and somebody asked me, where are you going? And I'm like, uh, like a total American, well, I'm going to Norwich. And they go, oh, you mean Norwich? And I'm like, there's no, no, there's no W? And they're like, no, 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 there's no W. So then I was at the restaurant later that day and I ordered a sandwich. And he looks at me again and I don't get it. And I'm like, what's the deal? I thought you guys didn't like W's or something in this country. I can't win, okay? But I love you, and so turn to your neighbor and say, I love W's. And some of you are like, I don't get this guy. I'm already confused. No, seriously. Man, it's good to see you. W's matter to the Lord. Okay, so anyway, now that I have that out of the way, um, you know, I, it's kind of a, I've got kind of a weird story. I actually gave my life to Christ in a nightclub of all places. Some people, they do it the old-fashioned way, and they give their lives to Christ in churches. But I, I literally gave my life to Christ in a nightclub. I, I, um, I used to be, from the time I was 16 years old, I, I bought my first set of turntables at 16, and I became 
uh, quite good at scratching and spinning, and, and I started mixing electronic dance music. And so literally within a couple years, I was already touring around to different nightclubs. I was kind of like, uh, you know, in, in a sense, trying to be Calvin Harris or Zed or one of those guys. I don't know if you listen to electronic dance music, but I, I was touring around to, to different nightclubs, and, and of course, I was miserable. I was miserable, and I, I, I didn't really grow up in church. I don't know if you did, but I, I didn't really understand God. In fact, I had a Christian friend actually say, Peter, you should ask God to reveal, your, reveal himself to you, and I thought, that's the weirdest thing. Why would I ever ask God to reveal himself to me? Uh, like, Christianity is for people that like either, A, boring rituals, or like being mean to people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I'm just saying, like, I, I just... I didn't get it. I, I thought, I'm not into boring rituals, and I'm not into, you know, rigid living. And, of course, I had, I had no concept of God. But I'll tell you what, life has a way of leading you to God, doesn't it? I mean, really, at, at some point in your life, you're going to have to start asking deeper questions. And, of course, that happened to me not too long after one of my good friends died in a car accident. And it rocked me. I'll tell you, you know, when, when somebody close to you passes away, it is a, it is a big deal. I, it shook me. And then, and then at the time, my girlfriend, who's now my wife, um, she had the, 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 the horrible experience of finding her father's body after he had committed suicide. And we had two funerals in one week. And it was one of the most awful weeks I've ever been through. I'd never really had a good friend die, let alone have my, my girlfriend's father uh, literally just in the backyard. And it was horrible. It was horrible. And I, I remember thinking, I, I just, I kind of spiraled into a depression. And I, I'll never forget, I had to work at a nightclub one of those weekends soon after that funeral. And I was in the DJ booth. And I remember looking down onto the dance floor. I'm playing this like happy music. But I remember thinking inside, I hate this. I hate this. What am I doing? What are we doing? I was just like, I was depressed. And I was thinking, like, what, why are we doing this? Why are we pretending to, to have fun? Why? Nobody in this club is having fun. Everybody's drunk or stoned. And, and, and all these, I mean, we're just all faking life. And all of a sudden, the thought occurred to me, that one, that one suggestion from my one Christian friend who said, Peter, ask God to reveal himself to you. And I thought, well, what have I got to lose? Okay, I'm in a nightclub. I'm just going to do it. I'm literally going to try praying. And, of course, I didn't even know how to pray. So this is, I, I didn't even know where to look. I thought, I'm going to try praying. And I thought, probably not down, you know, so maybe I'll look up. Okay, so I looked up, and I'm like, okay, God, uh, whoever you are, whatever you are, if if you created the entire universe, then you should be powerful enough to show me what religion is the right religion. Just like, give me a sign, show me a miracle, you know, lightning bolts across the sky spelling it out. Islam, Buddhism, none of the above. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, like, I, thought, I thought, why not? You know, like if God, if God created the universe, this God should be able to give me some sort of sign. And so I remember like kind of finishing the prayer and I didn't even know how to finish it. I literally was like, and done. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know enough about, you know, like in Jesus' name, amen. I didn't know all the language or anything like that. In fact, I didn't even know if Jesus was the way. And so I, I literally, I remember kind of snapping out of it thinking, wow, I must really be depressed. I'm praying. 
And, and my next thought was, just being totally honest, it was like, man, I need a smoke break, okay? So I grabbed my assistant and handed off the turntables to them, and I went down the stairs from the DJ booth, and I was crossing over the dance floor to walk out of the nightclub for my smoke break, and, and all of a sudden, this dude I didn't know tapped me on the shoulder and said, and said, I know this is weird, but I feel like I'm supposed to tell you that Jesus has a plan for your life and he wants you to follow him. <laughs> Except I didn't have that response, okay? I freaked out. I'm like, what did you just say? And he goes, uh, Jesus has a plan for your life and he wants you to follow him. And, I, and I'm like, and so I go, well, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And I, I probably, I was so scared because I'm thinking, you have no idea. I just prayed that prayer like, like 30 seconds ago and then you just like showed up in my nightclub and I'm thinking, I'm freaking out thinking, oh, I gotta do what this guy says, right? So I go, tell me what I'm supposed to do. And at first he thought I was like mocking him, like tell me what, you're, what I'm supposed to do, Jesus boy. And you know, like, but in reality, I was like, oh no, I, I literally have to do whatever you tell me to do. What am I supposed to do? And, and he goes, uh, you know, he's thinking it shouldn't be this easy, but okay, uh, uh, you just repent of your sins and just accept Christ into your life and you're going to be forgiven and, and just gave me this gospel pro uh, presentation in a nutshell and, and I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, like he finished and I'm like, okay, so let's do it. And he looked at me like, again, it shouldn't be this easy. But like, he had no idea. I just prayed this prayer and boom, this is in, in this nightclub. And so I'm like, okay. And, and he goes, uh, he grabbed my hands, pulled me down into a nearby booth. And he said, just repeat this after me. And that was it. I gave my life to Christ in a nightclub. That was it. I, okay. <laughs> I freaked out all my friends and family. Nobody expected Pete to go for Jesus. I'm just saying. They, they were like, they didn't know what to do with me. And I, I just, the reason why I, I'm sharing this is because I just have this sense that there's a few of you out here today who you don't know if you even believe in this whole God thing. And, and listen, it's okay to be skeptical because I, I serve a God who loves to reveal himself in powerful ways. And by the end of tonight, I'm going to share some, I'm going to share some miracle stories that are going to rattle your cage a little bit. I'm going to share some things that are going to disturb you in a healthy way because this is a God who loves, loves to reveal himself. And I, I just, you know, so kind of a funny story. Over time, I, I became a pastor. And of course, I, you know, I'm kind of a weird pastor. So I named our church to sound like a nightclub. So it's Substance Church. And all these people always call our church and are like, where's your nightclub located? Which I kind of like. And I'm like, oh, we're not a nightclub. Uh, we're a church. And they're like, what? And then they confess their sin to me. It's really awkward. And, and uh, anyway, but like, I, I, like, in many ways, our, our church is actually a lot like the people in this tent. We just have, we have thousands of young artists in our church. In fact, 64% uh, of our church is under 34 years old. It's, it's like this massive group of, of young professionals. In fact, we had so many artists and DJs give their lives to Christ, even well-known artists and DJs, that we started a DJ ministry in our church, right? So... People, people want to join our DJ ministry. It's kind of fun. We have a DJ in every foyer and uh, in all of our campuses. And, 
And a while back, I was listening to Calvin Harris and Zed, and I, I just, I don't know if you've ever just sensed God speak to you before, but I, God spoke to me in this like impression, this nudge. I wasn't sure if it was the Lord, but it really felt really strong. And it was like, Peter, I am anointing you to go back into the clubs and do the type of music that's going to get up to the level of Zed and Calvin Harris. I'm anointing you to do this, so put together a DJ worship band, and, and, and that's what we did. I, it called Substance Variant, and so it's kind of similar to our church Substance, but it's Substance Variant. And so, and get this, we just released our first album last April, and guess what? It's already made it to number eight on the mainstream electronic dance music charts in the States. It's so fun to watch God use my unspiritual gift. You know what I'm saying? I, I just, I love, I, in fact, I, I wanted to share that with you because there's some of you out there tonight who you have an unspiritual gift that you don't think God can use, but I'm telling you, God can use it. And I, as I just watched our album climb these mainstream charts, it, it was so fun just because, you know, it's God. It's not even me. And in fact, get this, tonight, Right here at New Day, we're releasing our very first international music video for Substance Variant, just for you guys. In fact, uh, are you guys open to seeing a, a little clip? Do you guys want to see a little bit of what we just did? All right, check this out. If you're interested at my Instagram, you can see the full version, Peter Haas 1. Just check it out, Peter Haas 1 on my Instagram. Or here's, here's one thing that we wanted to do just for you guys. At, if you go to substancevariant.com tonight, substancevariant.com, uh, you can get the whole album for free. Come on, man. We love you. We love you. And guess what? I brought the whole band with me tonight, so we're going to end tonight with a dance party like you've never experienced, so I hope you guys came ready to party. But I'll tell you what, before we do that, I want to dive into the Bible, and I, I want to talk about a subject called biblical happiness, biblical happiness. In the, in the news, I think we've heard a lot uh, about celebrity suicides. There's been so many tragic celebrities who have taken their lives and and uh, it's really, it's obviously really bugged me a lot because, you know, especially after what happened to my father-in-law and, and just watching my wife walk through that, watching her walk through the tragedy of that, the pain of that, it, it, you know, there's been a lot of talk in the news about what stops depression. And, and, and moreover, even more than that, important than that, what creates happiness. And what, what, what's interesting about this subject is I'm kind of a research nerd, and I, I actually get this. There's a huge amount of research proving that church attendance is one of the greatest predictors of happiness out there on the earth. Did you know that? And I'm talking about mainstream, non-Christian university studies. They found that there is something unique 
to church attendance that is different than any other religion, than any other practice. There's something unique. In fact, people who attend church, get this, people who attend church on a weekly basis, clinical depression drops by 22%. There's also university studies proving that wealth dramatically increases in proportion to church attendance. That church attendees, on average, get better grades, they get better, they get into higher levels of the university, that weekly church attendees, get this, this one even shocked me, in fact, I didn't believe this at first, but weekly church attendees live long, the longest of anyone in the general population, 7 to 14 years longer than the general population. Isn't that crazy? Seven to 14 years longer. In fact, epidemiologists, people that study epidemics, have been, have been just mar marveling over what is it about church attendance that causes people to live longer. And, and in fact, get this, even sexual satisfaction skyrockets with church attendance, somebody. What? Okay, get this. A major university study found that women who attend church twice a week have the highest sexual satisfaction of any demographic in the United States. Come on, church ladies. All the church ladies, all the church ladies, all the church ladies. Put your hands up. No? All right, okay. I'm just saying, that stat will grow the church. I'm just saying, when people, whenever I share that at my church, church people are always like, where are the membership classes at? You know what I'm saying? Like, people are curious about that. But listen, hey, that should not surprise us at all. None of these stats should surprise us. And, I, and by the way, if you're curious, I put it all, I, I wrote a book called Broken Escalators. I put all of the research into that book. Uh, but, but this is what the Bible has been teaching for thousands of years. In fact, check out what King Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes 6.1. I, I want to read this to you. King Solomon makes the case that happiness occurs separate from our circumstances. In other words, no matter what's going on in our circumstances, happiness tends to operate independently of circumstances. And keep in mind, when he wrote this, he was one of the wealthiest people on planet earth. And check out what he said, Ecclesiastes 6 verse 1. He said, I have seen another evil under the sun and it weighs heavily on men. In other words, Humans, because they don't understand this, they are weighed down, they are burdened, they are experiencing difficulty, and it's this. Verse 2, God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing his heart desires, but God does not enable him to enjoy them. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, hold on a second. Let me get that, let me read that again. God gives a man wealth, possessions, and honor so that he lacks nothing his heart desires, but God does not enable him to enjoy them. In other words, enjoyment is a gift that comes exclusively from God. You can't get it from wealth. You can't get it from honor. You can't get it from possessions. It's a gift from God that operates independently of all of those things. 
In fact, so that's why it's possible to get all of those things and still be miserable. That's why we see so many celebrities who are miserable, even though they have everything that a lot of people are 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 wanting. You see, um, in the in the research actually proves that. In fact, get this: circumstantial things. There's all this research on happiness that shows that circumstantial things like like money, jobs geography, marriage, they only affect happiness by a maximum amount of about 10%. In other words, if you take the wealthiest people on earth, compare them to the poorest. The best looking people on earth, compare to the ugliest. The, the, the people who claim to enjoy their jobs the most compared to the people who hate their jobs the most. That on average, it does not affect your overall happiness by more than 10%. So it begs the question, well then, what, what accounts for the other 90%? Do you know what I'm saying? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what accounts for the other 90%. Psalm 62.1 says, your soul finds rest in God alone. Your salvation comes from him. And guess who taught that? Solomon's dad, David, taught him that. You see, you know, to put it another way, happiness is not a circumstantial problem. It's a spiritual problem. And, and, and apparently, God actually has an enjoyment switch. You've seen like a light switch, right? Well, God actually has an enjoyment switch in each one of our lives, and he can flip it off or flip it on whenever he wants to. And, and it kind of, well, why? Why would God flip off the happiness switch for many of us? Why would he do that? Is it, is it because he's mean and doesn't want us to have fun? No. In fact, actually, it's the exact opposite, okay? For example, okay, I've got three kids, and, and my son couldn't be with us, uh, so he's back in, the, in, in Minneapolis right now. And uh, every time I'm at a grocery store with him, he asks me, Daddy, can I have a candy bar? You know what I'm saying? He always wants a candy bar. And, of course, I'm not going to just say yes to him every single time. Why? Because it's going to rot his teeth. In other words, uh, I'm going to purposefully make sure that he doesn't always get everything that he wants whenever he wants it. Right? In other words, I'm going to intentionally limit his experiences out of my love for him. You see, and God does a similar thing with our happiness and with our enjoyment. God knows if we're seeking opportunities ahead of his timing, he's going to slow us down. Or if we're finding fulfillment in things other than Christ, that he's going to remove all the fun until he knows that, that he is first in our lives. And secondarily, that we've got the character to handle the blessings he already wants to give us without bowing down and worshiping them. In other words, he's got to be first, and we've got to have the character to handle his blessings. And so it begs the question, well, then how do we know if God is ready to flip the happiness switch on in our lives? Well, in the end, only God knows if we're ready. But uh, in my experience, I think the simplest way to know is by just looking at your prayers. What types of prayers do you pray? And what do I mean by that? Well, if all we ever do is pray for circumstantial things, God, I pray for more of this and less of that. I pray for this opportunity. I pray that that girl would like me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you've ever prayed that prayer. Come on, somebody this week. I don't know. Hopefully, you know what I'm saying? If, if you're constantly praying for, for circumstantial things more than character, chances are your soul is out of sync with God. Because think about it. If we really, really believe that enjoyment came from God, if our souls find rest in God alone, then we wouldn't even spend a whole lot of time asking God for circumstantial things. We'd be asking for more of Him. Are you hearing me? In fact, 
I actually believe that God will intentionally test our motives every once in a while just to find out what, what's in our hearts. Not to be mean, just, just to help us get our focus right. And how does he do that? He allows us to get into circumstances where we're out of control, okay? So whenever I'm totally out of control, I realize that I could be on the cusp of something really amazing. And let me give you an example of this, okay? So a while back, my wife happened to be um, on Facebook. Anybody ever be on, ever go on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Anybody? Uh, raise your hand if you like social media. Snapchat? What is it over here? I don't even know. Right? Okay. So um, my wife was on Facebook, and she happened to see this picture of a, of a young woman in our church. And this, this young lady in our church had just given birth only a couple months ago uh, earlier, and, and she was um, trying to lose all of her baby weight. And so she took a full body pick and said, hey, I'm celebrating. I lost all my baby weight. And, of course, my wife is a very encouraging person. And so she, she logged in and said, uh, just to affirm this girl, and she said, girl, you look stinking hot after that baby. And she pressed send, and then the moment the comment posted, all of a sudden, it was my face next to the comment. So it looked like I was saying, girl, you look stinking hot after that baby. Facebook. Okay, okay. Now, people love to have a pastor who's very affirming. But nobody wants a pastor who says, girl, you look stinking hot after that, baby. Nobody wants that pastor. I'm just saying. And, and, and so my wife, all of a sudden, you know, she starts to panic, and she's freaking out, and she's thinking, oh, no, I've got to figure out how to delete this. But, uh, of course, Facebook had just changed everything, and she couldn't figure it out. So she calls me on the phone, and she's like, Peter, you're never going to believe what I did. And I'm like, what did you just do? And she's like, I, I accidentally, uh, this is what I said, I was accidentally logged into your account, and I, I said, girl, you look stinking hot after this baby, and, uh, and I'm like, do you realize how many people are, like, see everything I post, do you realize, like, like, so literally, every second, my reputation, my name was turning from Pastor Peter to Predatory Pete. Okay. So suddenly, I am thrust into the tech support role of a lifetime, and, and, and I'm not going to say it went easy, but we did manage to uh, delete the comment, and uh, we, we managed to slay predatory Pete. And of course, every time I see that young woman in our church, I speak very formally to her. How are you doing? How is your husband? Nice to see you. Okay, so you know what I'm saying. Like, I, I, have you ever just felt totally out of control before? Just be honest, okay? Some of you, even here today, you're like, you know what? Even just being here, sleeping in a tent with other people, I feel out of control. Listen, hey, that's actually, you know, some of you are like, you know what, Peter? What you just shared about Facebook, that is the summary of my last year, okay? That is like my whole life right now. I'm totally out of control. Listen, um, I, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe for you it's not your reputation, but it's something going on in your physical body. Maybe it's your finances. Listen, all I know is this, is that God can snap his fingers and change everything for you. He can snap his fingers. The Bible says in Psalm 145, 16, that he just opens up his hand and satisfies the desires of every living thing. Everybody go like this, okay? How much effort does that take? Not a whole lot. I'm just saying, come on, do it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just go like this. Can, have you ever clapped with one hand? I'm just saying, okay, okay, so 
sorry, that was weird. Um, I'm just saying, this does not require God to do a whole lot. And yet, he can, that's all he, he can do this and satisfy the desires of every single person under this tent. I mean, that's how powerful he is. But listen, God's not looking for you to be perfect. He just wants you to be promotable. He's not looking for striving. He's just looking for surrender. And if we could just rid ourselves of this need to control everything all the time, I'm telling you, some of you, a simple act of surrender like tonight could change everything for you. It could jumpstart the miraculous in your life. Like me in the nightclub, I didn't have to do anything but just be open. God, whoever you are, whatever you are. And all of a sudden, he's taking me on this crazy journey. This crazy journey. And so I, I want to share with you one last story, of a, a miracle story of what God did in our church that has completely changed my life. Um, so my wife and I, we have three kids. And, and I want to show you a little family uh, picture, because I've got two teenage girls, and uh, you see, so my wife is on the right, and you saw my daughter, 17-year-old daughter, Elijah, is on the right, my son is in the middle, Eden, and then, but I, I want you to look at the daughter standing next to me in this picture, because her name is True, like true and false, okay, so we're, yeah, we're hippies, we're into weird names, okay, get over it, but her name is True, and Ever since she was nine years old, God used her to do the craziest things, okay? So people would come up to us when True was a little girl, and they would just, they, they would pray over us, and they, like, one woman came up to me and said, your daughter True has a really strong prophetic gift over her life, and he's going to use her. And of course, you know, I didn't even know, you know how, like, every church has kind of spooky people in them, you know what I'm saying? That kind of talk like Yoda, strong with the force you are, you know what I'm saying? And, and you're like... I don't know who you are or why you look like Yoda, but okay, thank you. I appreciate that. So people would say that about my daughter, and, and, uh, and what was weird is by the time she turned nine, God started using her to do these prophetic miracles. For example, um, my wife and I put our house on the market. We were trying to sell our house, but it was right after um, the economy had crashed in the United States, and... And so the realtor that was trying to sell our house, the person trying to sell our house said, Peter, I want to warn you that on average in your neighborhood, it takes 159 days to sell a house on average. And so your house is going to probably be on the market for a, a long time, at least plan for six months before you sell your house. And of course, um, my daughter went right into her bedroom and she just said, God, when is our house going to sell? And, and, and God just spoke to her. So she came out and she goes, Daddy, don't worry. It's not going to take 159 days. The Lord said it's going to happen five days from today. And I was like, what? Like, she goes, yeah, I just asked God, speak to me about our house. And he said, five days from today, and he said that you're going to be depressed on Saturday, but happy on Sunday, and you're going to get your asking price on Sunday. And I was like, I, you know, like, I, like, that's so specific. You know what I'm saying? Like, like really? Like, five days. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I literally patted her on the head and was like, yes, true. You know, like, now go play. And... And she literally, she, like, 
it happened exactly like she said. On Saturday, all these people came through our house, looked at it, and said, this is a terrible house. I can't believe you're even asking this much money for this house. And they said, this is awful. And then on Sunday, somebody offered the asking price exactly five days from the day we put it on the market. Okay. How many of you know you're going to start listening to your kid just a little bit more? Okay, so I, so, and she would do this all the time. She would just ask God, God, um, there, you know, when are you going to heal that person? She'd come up to me and say, God's going to heal that person on Friday. And I'd be like, why Friday? And, and she's like, I don't know. That's just what God said, you know. And, and then sure enough, this person would literally be going in for surgery and then was just totally healed right before. And so, okay, the, that, those aren't even the cool stories. This is just the setup for what was about to happen next. Okay, so um, a few years ago, I was going through just a really dark season. And at the time, our church was having a terrible time trying to buy property. We were, um, our, our church was growing really fast, but uh, we just could not buy any property. And no matter where we tried to buy property, the city would stand against us. In fact, uh, many of these city leaders would say, no way is a church ever coming into my city, especially a church like yours. And so we had, we had spent like literally hundreds of thousands of dollars trying to buy eight different properties and all of them fell through. And of course it was, you know, we, we happen to live in a city that's very hostile to Christians. So Minneapolis, where we live, it's about three and a half million people. And there's a lot of people that are not open to Christianity there. And, and, uh, and so we were having a really hard time. And, and of course, every time one of these properties would fall through, there were people in our church who had come up and say, you know what, I don't think you know what you're doing, Peter. I don't think, I don't think you understand how to lead. I don't think you have any clue. You are in way over your head. We're leaving this church. And every single week I'd show up at church and somebody would critique me, somebody would rip on me, somebody would just, it would leave the church. And of course the morale in our church was at an all-time low in it. And it actually got to the point where I actually thought, you know what, I'm a total failure as a pastor, I need to quit. And I know that might sound kind of weird, but I, I literally thought about quitting. For about 60 days, every single day I, I, I thought, I'm not going to do this anymore, I'm done. And... I'll never forget in the midst of this, there was this point where I couldn't even hide my depression from my kids anymore. They knew we were depressed and, and our church was capped and people were leaving and, and, uh, and I, I couldn't figure it out. Well, okay, in the middle of this dark season, my daughter True came up to me and she was only about 10 years old at this time. And she said, Daddy, I don't want you to be discouraged. I, I asked the Lord, God, would you reveal yourself to me? And then I said, God, when are we going to get a building? And she said, it was just like our house. And, of course, when she said that, I was like, really? You know what I'm saying? I was, like, really curious. Okay, like, what do you mean, like our house? She goes, yeah, Daddy, the Lord spoke to me that by this time next Thursday, you're going to find a building that substance is going to be in, and you're not going to get it right away, but you're going to decide to go for it. And I remember thinking, okay, wait a second. I don't have any real estate meetings planned. I have no way of making that happen by Thursday. And, um, uh, and she said, it, it has, she goes, it's beautiful. And she kept going. She goes, in fact, the Lord even showed me what it's going to look like. It's beautiful, and it has like a double layer to it. And I'm like, a double layer? And she was like, yeah, people sit down here, and people sit up here. 
Like there's two layers. And I'm like, a balcony? And she's like, yes. The Lord says it has a balcony. You're going to find a building with a balcony by this time next Thursday, and you're going to decide to get it. And, okay, I don't know what it was about her saying the balcony thing, but the balcony thing just kind of put it over the top, and I was like, no way. Like, no way. How am I supposed to find a building with a balcony by this time next Thursday. Like, I, I know all of the properties all over the city. I've been looking for them for like six years, okay? So, like, I, I, there's no, like, I kept thinking, how in the world is this going to happen? And right when I started getting cynical, I felt like the Lord just kind of stopped me and said, Peter, is anything too difficult for me? Is anything too difficult for me? And I remember in that moment, I had to make a decision. Am I going to choose faith or am I going to choose cynicism? Do you know what cynicism is? Cynicism is when you just don't believe in, that, that in God at all. It's the opposite of faith. It's doubt, okay? So skepticism is when you need more information. Cynicism is where you, no amount of information is going to change your mind because you've already made it up. You're hurt. Well, how do you change a cynic? You love a cynic, right? You, how do you change a skeptic? You give them information. But how do you change a cynic? Information will never change a skeptic. What they need is love. What they need is an encounter with God. And that's what I needed. And in that moment, I just stopped myself and I'm like, God, once again, just like in the nightclub, if you created the whole universe, if you could show up in my nightclub, then surely you could enable me to find a building with a balcony by this time next Thursday. And I remember even as I said it, it sounded ridiculous, but I just said, I'm going to declare that over my life that you are more powerful than anything. You are more powerful. And in that moment, I stopped and I prayed, and, and that was it. And, and, and listen, you know, what was awkward was over the next four days, um, nothing happened. I wasn't finding the building. And I, I remember having this fear started growing in my heart, like, what happens if I don't find a building with a balcony by this time next Thursday? And, and then I, I started thinking, you know, like, oh, no, what if this is that moment I have to sit down with my daughter and say, we don't always hear from the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I was getting scared, and I'm thinking, oh, no, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? Well, okay, get this. All of a sudden, I, it's two days away from, from Thursday, so it's Tuesday morning, uh, and Nothing's happening, but all of a sudden I get a call from the administrator at our church, and he's like, Pastor Peter, I totally forgot to tell you that we have a real estate meeting planned in downtown Minneapolis. Do you think you could make it? And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, you planned a real estate meeting? And they're like, I totally forgot to tell you and put it on your schedule. I know it's awkward, but we're looking at a building for substance. And I'm like, shut up. We're looking at a building, and he goes, I'm, I'm so sorry, Pastor, I, I, I don't, I, I'm sure that you're probably writing a sermon today, and I'm like, no, 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 I, I'd love to go check out this building, right? So I get off the phone, and my daughter overheard me talking about a building, and she goes, you're going to go look at a building, aren't you? And I'm like, uh, and she goes, remember, Dad, it, it's, it's, it's got a double layer, it's got a balcony, and you're not going to buy it right away. And she kind of goes off. And then she goes, oh, yeah, it's covered in red. It's covered in red. And, the, I, like, I forgot to tell you, the Lord said that you'll know this building is the one when you look up and you say, wow. 
And I thought that was the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Like, I, I, like most buildings, you don't look up and you don't say, wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, I thought that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. I'm going to, okay, so it's a building with a balcony covered in red. And when I look up, I'm going to say, wow. And, and she's like, that's exactly right, Daddy. And, and I'm like, okay, true. Thank you. <laughs> you know, go to school and uh, keep studying. And uh, no, I, I'm serious. I, I just... I remember thinking, that's crazy, and yet get this, two hours later, I'm in downtown Minneapolis, I'm getting a tour of one of the oldest buildings in our city, which is not half as old as the buildings you guys have, but it was built in the late 1800s, it's the historic Wesley building, and when I walked in, I looked up and it has this giant glass dome over the auditorium, and the words came flying out of my mouth. I go, wow. And the moment I said, wow, I'm like, oh, my gosh. I just said, wow. She said, you'll know this is the one when you say, wow. And I'm like, I started freaking out and because I, I, I remembered what my daughter said. And, and, I, and my, the staff was like, why, why are you freaking out? And I'm like, just be quiet. And I, I took pictures, okay? So I'm taking pictures. I'm scared at this point. Again, God is showing up in a crazy way. I started taking pictures. And, of course, my daughter went to school that day. And she decided to draw a picture of the vision that God showed her because she thought, well, when I get home from school, I'll show dad my picture and I can find out if this is the one that he saw today. And she wanted to help, help it verify if that was the building I saw. And when I walked in the door from work that day, she came running up to me with a drawing. And she said, Daddy, Daddy, here's a, here's a drawing. Is this the building of the, is this is the building you looked at today? Because this is the building that God showed me. And when I saw her picture, I'm just going to be honest with you, I totally freaked out because it looked almost identical to the photo I took four hours earlier. Okay. What are the odds that she could draw something that close? I mean, the bill, uh, you have to understand, I, when I was 10 years old, I couldn't draw circles. I'm just saying, like, really, what are the odds of that? I just, and, and get this, the building is right in the heart of our skyline, right in between all sorts of super tall skyscrapers, the coolest location you could ever pick for a church. And get this. Even though the building would cost almost $60 million to build it from scratch, guess what? We bought it for $2 million. Yeah. We just moved into it. In fact, we just added a second church service. And you can, in fact, you can kind of see a picture of what our church service looks like at that campus. It was literally, um, as if that wasn't amazing enough, then get this. That same year, God gave us another miracle building that would easily cost $20 million. And again, just for, for, for such a small amount of money, we moved into another building. And so two buildings, literally, within a matter of months, okay, for, for a price that doesn't make any sense. And so it's, it's been just this crazy miracle of God. And, and, and here's why I'm sharing this story with you tonight. First off, I believe that God is still speaking to people. And if we could learn how to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, it can change 
everything. And I believe that the Holy Spirit, and, and, and the Holy Spirit primarily speaks, doesn't, doesn't speak necessarily through an audible voice, but sometimes through an impression, sometimes through a, a good conversation with another Christian, and most practically, he speaks through his word. And so when you, we just read the Bible on a regular basis, God will speak to you more. But listen, I believe that God wants to speak to you tonight. And and secondarily, one of the other points I want to make tonight is this. You are not too young to be used by God. If God can use my 10-year-old daughter, who's now 15, by the way, if God can use her to change the entire spiritual history of our city, if God can use her to, to enable us to get a $60 million building, a miracle building, then guess what? God can use you too. Don't sell yourself short. There's some of you who are here tonight and you think, well, God could never do that through me. Listen, all it takes is faith as small as a mustard seed. All it takes is a heart that is just remotely open and God is going to speak to you. Are you hearing me? He's going to speak to you. Or you saw my oldest daughter. She's 17 years old. She's already touring with us as a DJ. I mean, come on. I, listen, I, I'm telling you, there's, there's some of you out there who think God could never use me to do stuff like that. But listen, he will change your church through you. All you have to do is show up and be willing to say, God, use me. And guess what? He will. And, and, but the last reason why I shared this is because I just had the sense that some of you, you're discouraged. Because you're kind of like me in the nightclub where you're, you're like, I don't know if God is ever going to come through in my life. Or maybe you're like, you're already starting to question, I don't even know if God is real. And listen, God wants to stop you where you are at and reveal himself to you. But listen, it starts not by being perfect, but, by, but not by striving, but by surrender. It just takes us just opening up our hearts and saying, God, I'm open. I, I want to experience you. And for some of you, you've been resisting that. Some of you, you you've been like, I'm not even sure. You, you've really, you're not skeptical. You're cynical. And God brought you to New Day to say, hey, what if it's true? And I want to challenge you. Just to ask that same question I asked in the nightclub. God, if you're real, then show yourself to me. Would you show yourself to me? Because some of you, you could be one prayer away from one of the biggest breakthroughs in your life. And yet, and yet because of that cynicism in your heart, it's caused you to have distance from God. Listen, God loves you. Listen, God loves you. And he, he wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to use you to do more miracles than you've even seen me talk about tonight. And all it starts with is a simple moment of surrender. And so here's what we're going to do. I want everybody just to stand up. Just stand up wherever you're at. And don't and, and and try to do it without talking, okay? Because this is I want this to be a moment where you can really truly receive from God. And so just if I could just have a holy hush across the auditorium. Nobody talking. Right now, I want you to, to face towards me and I want you to close your eyes. Because I believe that right now in this moment. The Holy Spirit is in this room, pulling you closer to Him, calling you 
to experience his joy, calling you to experience miracles. And so in this moment, what I'm going to do is I'm going to have Max Nigren, one of the DJs from Substance Variant, he's going to come on out, and he's just going to lead us in a, in, a, in a short worship song. But as he comes and, and just leads us in this song, I want you just to take your life, all, I want you to take your biggest concern that you have right now, and I want you just to, to lay that down before the Lord, and I want you just to, and if you're out there tonight and you're like, God, I'm not sure you exist, I'm not sure if you're real, I want you to pray that simple prayer, God, show yourself to me as we worship him in this song, and then after the song is done, we're going to do something about this, and so Max, why don't you lead us? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your miracles. We thank you that you are a God who loves to reveal yourself to us. And I pray that you would do that tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.